Well, good morning. If you don't know me, my name is Scotty. I, we're talking about it again this morning. I love to call this the ragtag group of people. Um, I get the privilege of asking Jesus what he wants this ragtag group of people to do. And I have a ragtag group alongside me that help in that process of discerning God's will. But uh, thanks for coming and joining us today. Um, Just a couple of quick things before we start. We mentioned this last week or the week before, an early Christmas gift for you. If you haven't signed up uh, yet, uh, Right Now Media is the Netflix of Christian Bible content. And so there are fantastic studies in here. And the beauty of subscribing to this is we have unlimited access. So feel free to pass it on to friends, family. You could even... Even, I'll give you permission to like print out the QR code and put it in a Christmas card and pretend you bought it for them uh, and pass it on to all your friends. <laughs> hey, I got a gift for you. Um, that's a freebie. Stocking stuffers for all your family. Feel free to pass it on. There's some great Advent content in there to look at. Um, Second thing is the membership classes. One is today, one is next week. Um, There were a couple of questions about this, so I thought I'd just... uh, This is... So we have a membership process that we have to go through uh, in order to become members. The class, as it will function in the rest of the life of the church, this is just come and learn more about the church. Um, And so whether you are like, I'm in for membership or you're just interested in exploring more about our church, we will come, you'll hear more about the denomination, about our church, about our partnerships, um, and and hopefully that will help you understand if this is the right place for you if you're exploring. Um, So there is a booklet, there are on the table as you come in the front doors. Um, So grab a hold of the booklet. If you don't have one, have a little read um, and come ready with any questions that you have. So we're excited for that later today. I don't know your experience, if it's anything like mine. I grew up in what can only be called a nominal Christian family. So we were Sunday-only Christians. We went to church on Sunday. It was a traditional Church of Scotland, Presbyterian church. And I don't know how I'd feel about it today, but I know back then I hated it. Um, and church, church was horrible. Um, it was boring. It was dull. It was lifeless. And you had to sit in a corner and stay quiet. And, and I didn't like that. But one of the challenges of growing up in a nominal Christian family is when it came to Christmas time, Christmas for us all revolved around Santa Claus. I'm just doing a quick scan to see what kids might be in the room. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but it all revolved around Santa Claus. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. We were excited that he was going to come at night and bring his gifts. Um, I remember one time very distinctly where we're upstairs. My mom is was masterful at this. Um, We're upstairs in a room, me and my two brothers, we shared this giant bedroom and it's Christmas Eve and we're supposed to be in bed and we're making a lot of noise. Um, And my mom comes in multiple times and her line, you know, you may have used this one. uh, If you don't get, if you're not quiet, you're going to scare Santa Claus away and he's not going to come and bring you any presents. And that's supposed to blackmail a child into staying quiet. But me and my brothers didn't stay quiet and uh, instead we're we're jumping around, we're making noise. And my mom comes running into the room. She goes, did you hear that? And we're like, no. She's like, I think I heard Santa Claus downstairs and I think I heard him leave. And we're like, she's like, wait right here, I'll be back. And so she ran downstairs and there was a squeal and then she ran upstairs. She's like, there's only three presents. You scared him away. You'd better go to bed right now and pray, sleep for long enough that he can make it back. 
And lo and behold, we found it very easy to go to sleep after we cried a bit uh, and then woke up in the morning and you can imagine the delight. He came back. He did second rounds and made it to our church. But <laughs> I, I grew up, Jesus wasn't part of Christi- uh, Christmas in our family. It was all, all about Santa and it was all about the presents. Um, and I came, I had an experience when I was, I was about 16 where I came to faith and began to take my faith much more seriously. And I remember um, the first Christmas as a 16-year-old who has discovered this Jesus person and begins to understand that Christmas revolves around him, I remember trying to figure out, how do I take this system that I've grown up in that doesn't have Jesus at the center of it and make it meaningful for me uh, to bring Jesus into the middle of it? My my family wasn't resistant to me bringing Jesus in, but I just, as a 16-year-old, didn't have the courage to go to my family and say, we need to reorient this heathen Christmas that you brought me up in for 16 years of my life. I didn't have the confidence to do that. So I was finding quiet, meaningful ways to bring Jesus back into the center of my um, one of the gifts of that season, I was a musician. I was very involved in lots of music things. My opera teacher... <laughs> At the time, little little thing that you didn't know about me there. My my opera teacher at the time was the organist in a Catholic church, and she would get a whole bunch of us kids from the the schools that she taught in, and they would do this fantastic uh, midnight mass. Uh, a Catholic church about 10 minutes from my house and she would bring us along and have us do all this music and performances and I remember partly because I didn't grow up in that I remember the first time I was there for midnight mass and I'd never seen a service that was so about Jesus Uh, so much so that in uh, in midnight mass the 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 nativity set up without Jesus in it and they bring it in during midnight mass, not only because the time has changed here, but the time has changed in the Holy Land where he would have been born and they're celebrating Jesus. Just this gift to sit in this church um, in a tradition very different to what I've been raised in and to experience Jesus at the center of everything that they were doing. And all the songs that we were singing were deep and meaningful. She is a very, very devout lover of Jesus. So she put so much intentionality into how to make those services carry and convey the meaning of Jesus to everyone that walked in the room. And it was, it was stunning. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. And, and my journey from there, having not grown up with Jesus at the center of Christmas, my journey from there has continued to be one of how do I keep Jesus at the center? How, as I married and started life with Monica, how did we together bring Jesus to the center of how we did Christmas? And then as our kids came along, how do we make it that, yeah, they get the fun of Santa and presents and all of that stuff, but how do you make it that Jesus is, is the center? One of the gifts of this season is Advent. Advent is the season in the church calendar that is all geared towards knowing that we're in a busy, crazy season. How do we bring Jesus back to the center and how do we focus in? Um, If you didn't know this, the word Advent means arrival or to come. Um, So the word Advent and the Advent season, the, the misnomer in this is we believe Advent is about looking back to the birth of Jesus and, rem- and celebrating the fact that he came. That's only part of Advent. Advent is about looking back to see that he came in order to look forward to remind ourselves that he will come. 
Um, so there's two aspects of Advent. And so in this season, yes, we're looking back at what Jesus did 2,000 years ago where he came uh, and, and dwelled on the earth. But we're also looking ahead to a time that may be sooner than we realize um, where Jesus will return and put all things right. One thing I've said multiple times here before, um, we are, as humans, storied people. Um, I don't know how much you think about this. Your identity is rooted in the stories that you rehearse. So I just rehearsed a story to you of my identity growing up in a nominal Christian family. Those stories that I tell and share with my family speak of my identity. There are positive stories that speak identity over us. There are many negative ones that we replay, that person that said something very hurtful to us, that we replay over and over that speaks negative identity over us. But again, one of the gifts of this season is as Christians, our identity is rooted in being God's people. And in Advent, every year, sometimes it can feel boring to revisit the same story. So it gives a different story for Christmas this year, right? No, no, please don't. Uh, but every year we go back and we rehearse the same story because in rehearsing this story, we're reminded of the story we're part of and we're reminded of the identity that we have been given as God's people. So every year, every Christmas, we will rehearse the same story when God became human and what that means for us. So we're going to jump into Luke chapter 2 and we're going to read part of this story and then reflect on it a little as we think about the season ahead. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. Just remember, that's not okay. (laughs) They're not married yet. Pledged to be married and expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in the manger because there was no guest room available for them. The last phrase, we're probably a bit more familiar. This is one of the phrases where it doesn't matter what age you are, you're more familiar with it in the King James Bible because it says there was no room for them at the inn, the center of every nativity. Do you ever stop and wonder why there was no room? Often people will say, the main, the, the main reason people give, and it's in every nativity, is all the people were traveling back home for the census time and so all the places were filled up and so there were just so many people making their way to Bethlehem. There was no room for them. They got their last uh, and so no room for them at the inn um, because there were so many people. All the Airbnbs were sold out. (laughs) Perhaps another reason for this is the shame of the situation of their unwed pregnancy as they make their way home for the census moment and they're in the, the vicinity of family who are good Jews in a shame and honor culture, perhaps why there was no room for them at the inn was the family members couldn't bear the thought of having this unwed 
pregnant girl inside their house when all the other family and friends would be around. And so uh, they honored their culture of hospitality by putting them up in the stable outside rather than allowing them into the house so they could honor hospitality while keeping them at arm's length. Perhaps it was the shame that meant there was no room for them at the inn. Um, in uh, reading some other theories, one of them that, that I found interesting, uh, and this speaks to the capitalist culture that we're in today, someone had uh, hypothesized that this is essentially the version of Airbnb, that there is one room left in this person's uh, house that come and stay in. And so why would you give it to an unwed pregnant girl and her husband when there may be a wealthy person coming down the street who would be a better benefactor because if we give this room to them, then they're going to reciprocate to us at some other point. And this young, poor couple that are outside of wedlock and are going to be ostracized by their family, they're never going to be able to repay it. Um, So perhaps it was a capitalist Uh, goals of gaining money that kept them um, from getting the space that was there. I raised some of those theories just because have you ever wondered, right? Have you ever wondered how God could arrange for a star to appear in the sky to lead three men from the east to travel all the way to Israel to find this house that he can arrange a choir of angels to appear to shepherds to preach the good news, but he couldn't pre-book a room for the mother of his own child, right? I'm like, something else is going on in this story that he's so meticulous about all the other details, but there was no room for Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus. And we know from the rest of the story that there's intentionality in this. We don't know, I can't give you all the reasons. I'm not going to assume to speak on behalf of God. Well, I guess I do that every week as a pastor, don't I? So, <laughs> and to my kids all the time. Um, but we know that there were prophecies that were being fulfilled in the way that Jesus was born. We know that it was intentional that he would be born into the world, not in the seat of authority and royalty, but as a nobody uh, in the middle of nowhere, rejected and ostracized, underprivileged, vulnerable, outcast. So I think God deliberately set up that there would be no room in the inn so that from day one, or day minus six. I don't know what day it was they arrived before his birth. But from before he was born, he was brought up identifying with us who are outcast, who are oppressed by the powers of darkness, who are impoverished, cut off from Jesus, um, so that he could identify with us and then do the work that he was going to do to save us. I love this line, there was no room at the inn, because it really is a parable of the state of the human heart as we walk into the Christmas season. Often, there is no room for Jesus in us. Christmas can be so busy. There's presents to buy, travel plans if you're going to be with family, Work Christmas parties, friend Christmas parties, church Christmas parties, school Christmas parties, kids Christmas performances. If you're hardcore, set Christmas movies to watch. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Christmas lights, (laughs) Christmas lights to get up on your house, Christmas lights to go see. 
Christmas cookies to bake for yourself, your friends, your family, everyone that works for your husband. (laughs) And normal life is still happening, right? The extracurricular activities are still in full throttle. School is not out yet. There are deadlines at work that seem to be worse because it's year end coming up and there's all of these metrics to be met and year end reports to be done and tax stuff to be prepped. Uh, Normal life is still going so we've still got lots of hours to spend mindlessly scrolling through our phones looking at TikTok, YouTube, Facebook. It's getting darker. It's getting colder. That affects how we feel. As we get to Christmas and toward the end of the year, we get reflective. We start thinking back over the year. We are preparing for the new year and all of the things that that does inside of us. It's a family time, so we're anticipating the joy of being with family or the pain of being with family or the pain of being without family. The sense of loneliness and loss is heightened. And that's not even getting to the real hard things, the strained finances as your kid is asking for a gift that you can't afford, as you're thinking about marriage and wondering how do I do Christmas and afford the engagement ring, as you're dealing with being torn between two places, my family's over there and we're here and I can't be with the people I love. There's the disappointments that come of not getting the gift that you wanted. Your spouse didn't read your mind the way you thought they would. And they didn't miraculously figure out this unique, discreet thing that you wanted that no one else in the world knew about. All of those emotions, all of those things going on right now. Is it any wonder that there is often no room for Jesus in the inn of our heart? As Christians who are living thoughtfully about Advent, we are invited to live subversively in this time period. Right now, as we enter Advent, Jesus is beckoning to us, asking us to make just a little bit of room for himself. In the middle of all the chaos and the candles, he's asking us to sneak away to a quiet place and be reminded that it's all about him. If you're one of the people in the room who doesn't have a quiet place at home, we have an amazing prayer room that you can access 24-7 to come get away and find a space. You know, this this whole concept of creating room for Jesus, uh, it's fed to us all the time through the Christmas carols that we listen to and we don't even realize it. We're so used to singing the songs that we often gloss over the words. Here's one that speaks directly to this. We sang it last week. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Just a little jab at all those that don't like repetition. (laughs) It's right there. (laughs) We like it in some contexts and not in others. But it's beautiful, right? Let every heart prepare a room. This is how the earth receives her king as we open our hearts and along with all of nature, we enjoy and sing along with him. So let every heart prepare him room. This is Jesus' invite to you and to your family 
as you plunge into Christmas? Will you exert time, a little more energy, to make him room? Being the good leader that he is, Jesus never asks us to do something that he hasn't done himself. Jesus is the one who made room for us in his heart. I, the, the reality of the invite that we get into the Trinity is one of the parts of our faith that just blows my mind. Before the creation of the world, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit lived together in unbroken unity, constantly pouring love out over one another, complete, fulfilled, satisfied, needing nothing, and could have gone on like that for all eternity, but decided that what they had was so special that they wanted to share it. And so they created a universe filled with planets and picked one planet, and picked one little garden, and put a man and a woman there in the garden to start the process of multiplying people who would share in this union of love in the Trinity. The Trinity made the universe to create room for us in their heart that is ever-expanding and infinite and will never be exhausted. He made room for us. He continues to make room for us. We know this because John 14, in the upper room, Jesus is talking to the disciples. And he says, you know, my father has a mansion with many rooms. I'm going ahead to prepare a place for you. He says, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place? And if I go and prepare a place, I'm going to come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the place, the way to the place I'm going. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was from the beginning making room for us. We watch him as he lived on the earth making room for some of the craziest people that if they walked into our church right now, we probably wouldn't make room for them. And then he's still making room for us and making room for the generations to come. Let every heart prepare him room because he has made room for us. Hospitality is one of the core values that we have here as a church. Hospitality is core to the gospel. Hospitality, my favorite definition of hospitality is to make room in ourselves for someone else. This is how we define hospitality here. We are committed to creating a welcoming atmosphere where people can belong and be known, where friendship can flourish across the boundaries of society, and where growth and deep healing can take place. This is who we want to be as a church. This is who we're called to be as believers. But think about this in terms of Jesus making room for us. He's committed to creating a welcome atmosphere where we can belong and be known where friendship with him flourishes across the boundary of God to human and where growth and deep healing take place in us. Hospitality. You don't think that hospitality is the core of what the Christmas message is about. 
But in coming to dwell on earth, Jesus is fulfilling the hospitality, hospitable heart of the Godhead, and he entered into a world that was inhospitable to him. Our repayment for him opening up his heart and creating a universe for us to inhabit was to say, sorry, there's no room at the end. It's too busy. I'm too embarrassed to have you here. There's a better client that might come. There's lights to hang. There's presents to buy. There's year-end reports to do. That's our response. Jesus, there's no room at the end. So it raises an obvious question. How will we? How will you make room for Jesus this Advent? Is there more that you can do starting today to fuel love and intimacy with Jesus in the middle of the chaos that the world is throwing at us? How will you do it? How will you make room? I want you to remember also as you think about making room for Jesus, verses like Luke 25, verse 40, where he looks at the people and he says, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. It's easy to spiritualize making room for Jesus this Christmas. So I'm going to get some quiet time in. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to say some prayers and ignore the least of these that are Jesus in disguise sitting at a corner at the supermarket that you're walking into or the department store you're about to go into. Jesus in human form, the image of God in a person needing someone to give him love and grace. We read Luke 2, verse 1 to 7. Verse 7, there's no room for him at the inn. The continuation of that story happens at the beginning of Revelation. Revelation chapter 3. You know the verse. Chapter 3, verse 20 says this. Listen, I'm standing and knocking at your door. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will eat together. Right now, Jesus is knocking. He's knocking on your heart. He's knocking on your dining table. He's knocking underneath your Christmas tree. He's knocking your dusty, empty, moth-filled wallet. (laughs) Jesus is knocking, looking for room. Looking for room in your home looking for room at your table. We don't often think about some of these things. Jesus is always present with us. Did you know Jesus wants to go Christmas shopping with you this year? Did you know that Jesus wants to help you pick out the perfect gift for your friend or loved one? Jesus wants to mourn the loss that you've experienced this year. He wants to sit with you in the feeling of loneliness He wants to ooh and ah at the Christmas lights as you're driving around, heading to the grotto, going to the zoo. He's with you longing for some snow so that we can have a snow day and get a day off school, a day off work. But will we make room or will we be too busy to allow him to come and be present with us? So let's get a little bit practical 
I mean, there's some ideas already. I'm sure you've got ideas coming into your mind. What are some ways that you can go about making some room this Advent season? First one, and I would say do it right now. Get your phone out, get your calendar out, find a little spot. All you need is 10 minutes. Put an intentional time this week into your calendar to just be with him. You know, if you're, there are lots of people in the room that have a very purposeful and intentional devotional time. You do it every day. You have your system that you're working through, your reading plan, your study. I'm asking you to put a quiet time in your calendar that's not that, that doesn't have an agenda, that doesn't dictate what it looks like, but just to sit and be with him. Perhaps you want to engage a tool to help with this. Lectio 365 is a great app. They're taking us through some Advent reflections right now. Download the app. They're seven minutes long. It's all handed to you, even with space put in there with guided prayer prompts. If you're thinking about how to help your kids, Lectio for Families is a family-friendly version that's all geared towards kids that right now is helping lead families through Advent together. We gifted the church right now media. Um, there are some fantastic Advent resources in there. You can do as many studies as you want to learn more about the meaning of Advent, to be provoked into how to live this differently. There's lots of tools out there that we can use. Perhaps you want to meditate on some carol lyrics. It's amazing when you stop and you read like that verse of joy to the world. You're like, why have I never like thought about those words before and what they really mean? We're so used to singing them and enjoying them. That's not a bad thing that we often forget to slow down and to reflect on them. So pick your favorite carol, print out the words, read through it slowly, talk with Jesus about what the words mean. Um, Or perhaps you want to do what Ruben's been giving you a gift that you realize. Um, Listen to some modern contemporary Christmas carols. There are some great people, Phil Wickham's one of them, writing some beautiful contemporary carols. And when it it comes to Christmas service, it can feel sometimes uh, disappointing to sing something that you don't know very well when you're like, I want to sing this Christmas carol. But beautiful people are trying to write new carols that express the same truths in a different way. Not because there's anything wrong with the other ones, but they want to slow us down and make us rethink about what the words mean. Um, So if you love your uh, traditional Christmas carols, listen to some modern ones. Uh, Stop and meditate on the lyrics and see what it does in your heart. Invite Jesus in to the stress and the struggle. This this is such a, an easy step in our faith that brings Jesus into so much of our life, but for some reason, when things are hard, it's one of the last things we think about. Jesus, I'm feeling lonely today. Just be with me. Jesus, I'm frustrated about work. I'm just going to sit for two or three seconds with you. Just be frustrated with me. I don't need you to fix it. Well, I want you to fix it. I don't need you to. I just want to know that you're here. Jesus, I feel abandoned. He's going, my God, my God, why did you forsake me? Like, I, I know that feeling. Invite him into the stress. Invite him into the money worries. Invite him into the inability to read your spouse's mind and see what happens as you bring him into those things. 
We make room by prioritizing relational connection. I think this church does this pretty well. We prioritize relationship. We love people. Um, Who are the people right now that you need to be with who remind you of the reason for Christmas? Who are the people in your life that you know that are lonely and isolated that need a companion that, that would like to, that they, they maybe don't get out very much and you're going to go shopping, just take them in your car. They might just want to sit at the coffee shop at the entrance while you go do your thing, but then they get to enjoy being around a different environment and in a car with you on the way back home. Prioritize the relationships. And, and with this, you know, Christmas raises for a lot of people a, a deeper awareness of the division and the unreconciled relationships that exist in our life. So perhaps part of prioritizing relational connection this Christmas is to look at one of those people that have hurt you, that you've been keeping at arm's length, and just do one simple thing that takes a step toward them. Uh, if, if it's too hard to contact them directly, that simple step may just be to say, Jesus, my heart is really bad toward this person, but I just want you to bless them this Christmas. Perhaps it's a simple text message. You know, sometimes it takes every ounce of strength in our body to text someone that's hurt us just to say, Merry Christmas. Prioritize those relational connections. Thinking about that verse, whatever you do for the least of me, uh, whatever you do for the least of them, you, you do for me. Perhaps volunteering together. If that's not part of your routine right now, find a way to serve. These are some of the subversive ways that we take a culture that's telling us it's all about me and it's all about accumulating and getting that turns it outward and says, I'm going to choose a different posture and I'm going to make it about others. And not just the people in my family, but the people out there who have nothing. Um, We sent an email out that had uh, a link if you're interested in signing up. The Salvation Army um, is looking for volunteers. You go stand at the entrance to Fred Meyer. You ring a little bell and people put money in a a red bucket. Um, And that that money, that, that... I look at that and I go, that takes no effort. Stand at or ring the bell. If, if the rest of the people are like us, most of the time you just kind of <laughs> feel like So people are not looking at you. They're not going to try and engage you with conversation. They're not going to ask you all the ins and outs of the Salvation Army. But for the moments that you sit there, you're changing the narrative of Christmas, what it's about, reminding us that it's not about us, it's about more than that. Um, And all of the money that they collect then goes to helping the poor and the lowest and the least and the impoverished. And look, there's soup kitchens, there are uh, ministries happening all over that would love volunteers right now to help. And what a beautiful way um, to take your your friend group or your family group or your small group uh, and reorient our hearts together. And a season that's about getting, maybe give some stuff away. It's a good time to look through what are some of the things cluttering in advance of the week of consecration? What are some of the things in your life that maybe shouldn't be there that we can give away to someone that needs it? Maybe do something simple and trivial if you're someone that does a lot of online shopping. There's a bunch of people coming to your door with packages. Stick a little basket out with some drinks and some snacks and a little note that says, Merry Christmas, praying for you. Just as a way of giving rather than receiving. And then the last one I've put up here, there's many more. Share the good news. People expect it at Christmas. 
We spend lots of time in the year going, how do I bring this up with friends? I don't know how to share the gospel. I don't. It's awkward if I start talking about Jesus in the middle of a conversation about work. It's Christmas. It's about Jesus and it's everywhere. So the, these are great moments to bring up the, what Christmas means to you. If you're with a friend that doesn't know Jesus, they're dealing with some stuff in their life. Like I, some of my lines, you know, I've been th- like, I've, I do Christmas every year. I'm a Christian. I go to church. I've discovered something new this year. I had a new thought about Christmas this year. What do you think about this? What do you, what do you think about this thought that I'm having? I, you know, if you ever, isn't it weird that Christians call Jesus the Prince of Peace and yet they're also anxious at Christmas time? Something weird about that. I wonder what it would look like to be a more peaceful presence this Christmas. Job done, right? Seed planted. Words spoken, and the word never returns void. If you're a parent in the room, just remember that your kids are always watching, and your kids see how you handle this season. So if Christmas is filled with stress and worry and frenetic activity, you're subconsciously communicating something to your kids about what this season is to be about which makes it even more important that we just take that 10 minutes to stop and be still. It's crazy, it's busy, there's so much to do, but let's just stop for five minutes. Let's watch a little video on Right Now Media. Let's listen to Christmas Carol. Let's just remind ourselves what this is about. Your kids are noticing and they will learn. And if God is gracious, which he is, like me, he'll intervene and he'll do work in our lives to help us bring Jesus back into the middle. I don't know if I want to, I have a question, but I don't think I'm going to do that right now. Are you disappointed? <laughs> well, let's, let's do this. I'm going to come up in a minute and lead us in communion. I'm going to pray. She's going to come up and lead us in communion, but maybe you can do communion. And then if you want to ask the question afterwards, just simple question. What's one thing that you can do this week to prepare him room? One simple thing this week. But let me pray and invite Camille up to share. Father, I want to start by thanking you that you've prepared us room. Lord, that you made room in your heart, that you are preparing a room for us, uh, and that right now, like the beautiful mystery of the gospel is that we're united with you and we are sharing in this beautiful union uh, where we're joined to you. God, thank you that you're the Prince of Peace, that in a season of freneticism, you can give us peace. Thank you in a world that wants us fixated on money and spending, you can cause us to take stock and bring us back to the core. Thank you that in a season that can be painful or lonely, filled with loss, uh, that you're here to comfort and to walk with us in that and you bring meaning into the pain and the suffering that we feel. Um, So God, thank you for invitation. Thank you for the invitation to come. Thank you that you're at the the door and that you're knocking. Um, God, and I believe everyone in the room, we all desire more of you. We all desire more meaning this Christmas. So what we're asking is that you, Holy Spirit, would stir up in us a greater intention. And behind that intention, that you would give us uh, a greater energy to follow through. And then as we follow through in these little ways, that your grace would move in us to bring the transformation that makes us a little more like Jesus 
a lot more hospitable so that your name can be glorified in the world, we pray. Amen. Good morning. I'm Camille.